listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Detective dramas. So uh, a few years ago, it was the new Sherlock Holmes that BBC did. Just exquisitely shot, well acted, well put together. Uh, other ones that we like, uh, Bosch, which is a gritty uh, L.A.-based detective drama uh, that's on uh, Amazon Prime. Um, we loved Broadchurch as well, which is another British uh, detective drama. But there's one thing that these shows have in common, and that, that's that uh, the detective goes through the story and inductively picks up these clues and starts to put them together. And at the very end of the show, sometimes it's in a courtroom scene, and uh, sometimes it may be uh, the detective making a case before the DA. The detective sort of lays out what their case is, and you know, it sort of begins to make sense of all the pieces that they've been able to put together, and uh, helps you as the audience sort of understand the guilt of the person, perhaps, who's been uh, accused of the wrongdoing. And uh, as we think about the book of Galatians, that's very much what Paul is doing in that book. He's pulled together these clues, and now he's going to be making his case. And we're going to be continuing our study in the book of Galatians today, and we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 2, particularly verses 9 and 10. But as we start, I want to read the uh, first 10 verses of that chapter just to give you a bit of context uh, to what we'll be talking about today. So we'll be looking at Galatians chapter 2, and I'm going to read the first 10 verses. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet, because the false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me, God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So today as we look at this passage, I want to break it down into a, a few pieces for you. I want to look at the issue that Paul was addressing. I want to look at why this issue emerged. I want to look at Paul's response to the issue. I want to look at why the issue never should have been emerged in the first place. And then I want, I want to finish uh, by just considering the application of this passage to our own lives and our own circumstances today. So let's, let's think about the, the issue that emerged at what Paul was addressing. And we've heard 
certainly a, a fair amount on this in the last couple weeks. Uh, Ricardo in the initial message on this book of Galatians and then Pastor Jason uh, last week as well. And I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I think it's important to have the reminder as an understanding as we go forward. So what had happened is Paul had preached the gospel, gone to the churches of the region of Galatia that he's writing to now. He had gone and brought the, the gospel message to them. And that message was simple, that we as human beings are saved by grace through faith. And just to break down what that means, when I say saved, it means it's a restoration of our relationship with God. We're made to be in right relationship with God by grace, meaning that grace is unmerited favor, meaning we don't deserve what God has done on our behalf. Um, he does everything for us. He provides the means and mechanism by which our relationship can be restored. And that's done through faith. That means that all we have to do is to believe in what he has done uh, for us on our behalf. There's nothing that we can do. Uh, there's no uh, righteous acts that we can do. We can't clean up the exterior and polish ourselves up and be made right before God. So Paul had brought this gospel message, and then he goes on and continues his ministry elsewhere. And uh, it rose up amongst these churches of Galatia, a group of individuals who said, hey, it's great that you as Gentiles are coming to faith in God, but there's more to it than what you understand. You have to, you know, you as men have to be circumcised. Uh, you have to, all of you need to be following the Mosaic law. In a sense, you need to become Jewish before you can become Christian. So this was the message, and the, these individuals were called Judaizers. And so Paul writes the book of Galatians in response to this uh, effort that was being made to uh, change the nature of the gospel message. And in many ways, this is the first example, perhaps, of legalism. Of uh, the Legalism is the idea that uh, there's something that we need to do uh, beyond the gospel message that makes us right with God. So we look now at the, the issue that Paul's addressing. Let's consider the reasons why this issue emerges. And my contention is that there are three reasons this issue became an issue in uh, the churches of Galatia. Uh, the first reason is that Paul's message of the gospel of how one as a human being is to be made right with God uh, was contrary to what these Judaizers understood. So what it was, they were being shown to be wrong. And that was a, a challenging place. All of us are like that as human beings. When we have to admit that we're wrong, it's so difficult for us to do, right? Have any of you ever posted something on social media, realized later that was wrong, and how, how often do we ever go back and correct ourselves? How, do, how often do we recognize that what we're doing is a wrong understanding of something? And that's a really difficult place to be, but that's part of the reason why this issue emerges is that these individuals had understood that the way that they made themselves right with God was to follow a set of rules. Now, the, the irony of the matter is, is they hadn't really been able to do it. They weren't living up to the standard. In fact, when we think we're living up to the standard of what God's holy standard is, the reality of the matter is, is we're typically just comparing ourselves to others and thinking, hey, I'm doing a little better than that person, and I'm doing a little better than that person. Um, and, and Paul goes on and really makes this clear in Galatians chapter 3, where he recognizes the fact that the law was never going to make us pure because we could not possibly live up to its standard. It was only through faith that even our, the uh, Jewish fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob actually had a genuine relationship with God. So the first reason that this issue had emerged was the fact that some people were being shown to be wrong, and that's not a very comfortable place to be, and so they fought against it. A uh, second reason that I believe that this issue emerged was because of racism. 
uh, at the uh, end of the day, these were Jewish individuals who believed that they were God's special people and that they had a, uh, a position uh, that was much greater, much better than that of the Gentiles. The Gentiles were less than, they were to be looked down upon, they were to be considered uh, less than the Jewish individuals, these Judaizers, how they saw themselves. And uh, the, uh, in fact, the only way that the Gentiles really could be in relationship with God is if they became like us, if they became like these Jewish individuals. And that's, uh, at, at many ways, at the heart of, of what racism is, when we see somebody else as being less than or not being made in the, or being respected for being made in the image of God. Third reason that I believe this issue came up is it reflects this natural reality that we have as human beings that uh, despite this message of grace, we want to add to it. We want to think that there's something about who we are as human beings that makes us right before God, that there's some of our own righteousness that somehow we bring into the situation, that somehow I'm deserving of what God has done on my behalf. And, uh, and that's a natural thing. It's very typical for us. Uh, and again, it's this idea of polishing up the exterior, making ourselves look good, being better than this person or better than that person, or, or seemingly doing some good deeds and, and expecting that somehow those things make us right before God, and they don't. And uh, in that ten tendency is this reality that even when we've come to faith in God uh, by grace through faith, uh, that we tend to still get it messed up after that point as well. We tend to bring our own cultural baggage with us. And so uh, you think of those stories of Western, Western missionaries that have gone and brought the gospel message to other areas of the globe. And then as these people become believers, we begin to have these expectations that they become their church be like the Western church. you know, And that kind of a, a concept that we bring with us that, um, that weakens the reality that the, it, we as individuals are saved by grace, through faith. And our tendency in this whole regard is to fall back into our own sinful perspectives on this. Even when we've had it right and we understand it, we tend to still go back to this understanding that there's just somehow something about who I am that, and, my, and my own righteousness that, that gives me favor with God. And that's just not the case. So we look at the issue that Paul addressed. We've looked at, you know, why this issue emerges. Let's look at Paul's response to it, because essentially the whole book of Galatians is his response to this issue. But let's look particularly um, at this chapter, and we see uh, uh, the story that he recounts here is actually captured in Acts chapter 15, and we're going to take a look at that passage. Um, in Acts chapter 15, Paul is uh, bringing to the a group of individuals in Jerusalem, the church leaders and the elders, uh, he's being sent by the church in Antioch because they had experienced something similar to what the uh, what was happening in Galatia. And what they were experiencing was individuals that had come from Judea who were saying that it wasn't enough just to, as you as Gentiles, to believe in God through Christ. You needed to be circumcised. You needed to become Jewish in order to be a true believer in God. So Paul comes uh, into Jerusalem and he makes his case before the elders and the apostles and he shares these powerful stories of what God was doing in the hearts and lives of Gentile individuals. And uh, starting in verse 7, uh, we see what happens. So they, Paul presents, there's this debate that goes on amongst the apostles and the uh, 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 elders and Peter speaks up and this is what he says. And after there had been much debate, this is verse 7, Peter stood up and said to them, 
Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. So this is harking back to earlier in the book of Acts where Paul presents, his, his, actually God shows up in a dream to Peter and, and uh, tells Peter to go and minister to the family of Cornelius who is a uh, Gentile individual. And uh, it's, a, it's sort of an earth-shattering kind of an event. It sort of rocks Peter's world, but it makes clear the fact that God's message was for everyone, was for the Gentile people as well. And uh, Peter hearkens back to this as he begins to share it to this group of people. Verse 8, And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them, a whole, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. So again, uh, God gave evidence of the fact that they were believers in the same way for the Jewish believers as he did for the Gentile believers. Verse 9, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. So it's the same process of coming to salvation by grace through faith. Verse 10, now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? I love that verse. I mean, it just makes it so clear that the purpose of the law, what the law accomplished was to show our inability as human beings to measure up to God's goodness of, of anything that we could do on our own part to uh, polish ourselves up and to live up to the standard of God's righteousness. And Peter recognizes the fact that that Jewish law, even though it was established by God, its purpose was to show the need for faith of having a genuine relationship with God. Uh, verse 11, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And again, goes back to that message, the simple gospel that we are saved by grace through faith. So when we jump back to Galatians chapter 2, what I think is really interesting is that as Paul recounts what Peter has said in this passage and the experience that he'd had uh, in that time in Jerusalem. He finishes with one thing. He says in verse 10, there's only one extra requirement that they put in place, and that's that we would have a heart and a passion for the poor. And uh, I think it's interesting because he was making very clear that the gospel message is by grace through faith. It's nothing that we, do, we can do on our own. But as a result of that message, the, the way that message is lived out, the characteristic that should be part of all of us, whether Gentiles or Jewish believers, is that we have a passion and a desire to help uh, the poor. And um, I love this. It was interesting that this came up because just last week, our little church, the mission, uh, started a fund to help people from within our congregation who had been negatively impacted, who had had loss of jobs or loss of businesses because of COVID-19. And uh, we responded to a need that was there and created a little fund to begin to help these individuals. In just one week, we raised nearly $1,000, and we've already been able to put that money into the hands of people that had need. God cares about the poor, and our church should be about that as well. And so I'm grateful that the mission is already is doing that. All right, so now we've looked at the fact that this, the issue that Paul addressed, we've looked at why this issue emerged, we looked at Paul's response to the issue. Um, now I want to look at this, uh, the reality that this issue should never have uh, emerged. It should never have happened. It was reflective of the fact that people had not adequately looked at and understood the message and life of Christ. When we look back at it, it was already clear that the gospel message is for everyone. And it was clear from what Christ has done and uh, should have been clear to the audiences in Galatia as well. Uh, 
to see that, we can begin by just looking at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 uh, tells a story about a centurion who uh, demonstrates a faith in God through Christ. And the centurion was a, a Roman military leader. He would have had 100 men under him. He served in a city called Capernaum, which would have been the, uh, it was on the Sea of Galilee. It would have been probably the Roman center of that region. And uh, this is very likely the chief military, at least, Roman figure in that community. And it tells, uh, beginning in verse 5 of uh, Matthew chapter 8, it says, when he had entered, meaning Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Jump down to verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And it goes on from there. Um, I love this story because this story makes it so clear that uh, Jesus has recognized that this centurion has saving faith in God and his response to it is a reminder of the fact that there will be many who come from east and west. West, that's us. That's uh, here as believers in the United States that we have the opportunity to recline at the table to be in glory with the great Jewish uh, people that also believe through faith in God as well, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that are mentioned here in this passage. And so it's this really clear picture that the message of salvation, the uh, of being saved by grace through faith, was a message that was a gospel for everyone. It wasn't just for Jewish individuals. Yes, Jesus was uh, Jewish by human birth. He was born into a Jewish context, was raised within a Jewish faith, but clearly in his ministry and his message, it was a gospel message for everyone, from the God of the universe to all people everywhere. This isn't the only place that we see this. In John chapter 4, we have the account of the Samaritan woman. And you have to understand the Samaritans were part Jewish, uh, but they were despised and looked down upon by Jewish individuals. They were so hated that uh, you as a Jewish individual would do everything you could to avoid Samaritans. In fact, if you were in Galilee in the northern part of Israel and you were going to be traveling down to Jerusalem, rather than going the shortest route, which would have taken you right through Samaria, you avoided it by crossing the Jordan River, going east of the Jordan, traveling south from there, and then traveling back across the Jordan to uh, Jerusalem. So you you did everything you could to avoid uh, Samaritan individuals. So there's a great hatred and enmity between these people, particularly on the part of Jewish individuals. And so uh, Jesus um, has this remarkable encounter with a Samaritan woman, uh, and he demonstrates to her her great need for the living water, for a renewal of who she is in a relationship with God uh, through Christ. And she's so convicted by her experience, she goes and brings other Samaritan individuals from her village to this conversation with Jesus. And Jesus makes clear in this experience that I'm not here just for Jewish individuals. This is the gospel message for the entire world. And again, we shouldn't be surprised. We see this over and over again. Think of John chapter 3, in particularly verse 17, but I'll read verse 16 as well. 
that we're so familiar with, uh, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's the world. That's everybody. The gospel is for everyone. Uh, we see this again in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where it says, God is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's desire is that all come to be in relationship with him. This gospel message is for everyone. So how do we apply this today? How do we make sense of this, this passage and this thought for today? Uh, well, first, um, I think we have a tendency, we continue to have a tendency to be legalistic. So we need to be challenged in that area. And our tendency towards legalism was we want to add to the gospel message that somehow that to really be right with God, you need to do these extra things. Uh, and that's going to be what makes you right with God. Rather than And that takes away from the simplicity and purity of that gospel message. So one application is that we can tend to be legalistic Two is that we're still ravaged by racism. You look at the events in this country, even in the, in the last couple of weeks, and the ugliness of it, of, of people that are treating others as less than, of not seeing the worth and value that every single one of us has as a being made in the image of God creation, and that our role in that process is to treat others as having value, as having worth of of listening, of, of, of connecting, of understanding where a person is coming from because of the value they have as a made in the image of God creation, regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity. So our, our, our challenge uh, today uh, is, to, is to leave that behind us and not make that characteristic of who we are. Three, we still want to do things our own way. Uh, the reality of the matter is, is that even though we recognize the gospel message, there's still this tendency to want to think that there's something about ourselves that makes us right before God, that somehow I can do good things that will earn God's favor. And uh, this uh, lesson from this passage should be a reminder that it's about the gospel message that we are saved by grace through faith, not of something that we do in of ourselves. And there's nothing that we bring to this uh, connection, this relationship with God that has, uh, makes us right before him. And fourth lesson, I believe, for us um, is that we still need to be caring for the poor. There's this passage, uh, if you look at, at one great reminder is in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, uh, where it talks about the fact that we are saved by grace through faith, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then in verse 10, though, it goes on and describes the fact that God has set before us, has prepared in advance for us good works that we should be doing. So we're saved not by the good works that we do, but we're saved and then we conduct good works as a result of God's work in our lives. And I believe when you look at this passage in Galatians, that the reminder that a good element, a, a large portion of those good works that we should be about doing uh, should be about care for and concern for the less fortunate, for the poor. And then as we finish, I think the, the real joy of this message, the joy of this passage is the reality that the gospel message is for everyone for most of you that are probably watching this today, and it's certainly true of myself, um, 
I would have been one of the people looked down upon in that city of Galatia. I would have responded to that gospel message, I hope. And, uh, and then others would have come and said, no, you need to, you need to be circumcised. You need to be, become Jewish in order to be truly a believer and a follower of God. And uh, I am so grateful that God has made it clear through the working Paul that the gospel message is for everyone, that each one of us can be saved by grace through faith. My challenge to you um, as you're watching this today is to, to consider that message. What are you going to do with that opportunity that you have to receive that gospel message? Um, I think the great thing is that God has made clear in his word that our, our relationship with him that's, uh, that's torn asunder by sin, that's separated us uh, by the, who we are, by the sin nature that we have, by the sins that we do, can be, our relationship with him can be restored through the work of Christ on the cross. God has made a way, and we didn't deserve it. He's done it by grace. He's done it because even though we don't deserve it, he's made a way for our relationship with him to be restored. And all we need to do is exhibit faith, by faith, believe in what he has done to turn from the way we are going and turn in his direction um, and understand that our relationship can be restored. And what does that bring? It brings joy. Again, it brings purpose. It brings uh, in, an incredible uh, sense of direction in life uh, because of what God has done on our behalf and the relationship we can have with him. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we, we love you. We're so grateful to you that the gospel message is for everyone. Lord, I just thank you that um, I would have been an outsider. I would have been somebody that uh, you know, would have been uh, on the victim side of what happened in Galatia. And Lord, you make it clear in your word that we can be in relationships simply by grace through faith. And Lord, I just would ask that for each person hearing this today, Lord, that we would... Um, we would respond to it, Lord. We would respond to the message and believe. I just would ask that you would touch hearts, touch lives today. We thank you for this. And um, in a moment, I'll share uh, how um, we can give an offering. But Lord, as, we, as our individuals who are part of the mission contribute to the work of the mission, Lord, I just would ask that you'd bless them and help us to be wise stewards of it, help us to be able to use it to make a difference in the lives of others. We thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen. And as I shared at the end of my prayer, um, if you're part of our mission family, now's the time and our typically would do in our service and we do here as well, where we invite you to uh, give, uh, make a gift to the church, uh, part of your tithes and offerings. And you can do that online uh, through the, the mission redlands.com or through our mission app, uh, just through the online giving tab. And again, just uh, thank you for that and thank you for your support uh, during this time where we've been able to continue our ministry, continue to live out uh, God's radical love in Redlands and around this region. Thank you. You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.